Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of this podcast. My name is Molly and I've been kindly invited here today to share with you a case that I've seen during my time working as a doctor. A little bit of background about me first of all. As I said, I'm Molly, I'm an F2 doctor which means I'm currently in my second year post-graduation and I'm still moving around every few months to a different specialty at the moment. My last specialty that I did was paediatrics, which I absolutely loved. And so I thought today I might focus a little bit on that and go through a common presentation that you see in the paediatrics department day in, day out. Before that, though, if you're wanting to search for me on social media, I have an Instagram page, which is at cambridge.foodie, where I share all things about my life as a doctor, but also my life eating, which is one of my favourite hobbies. Anyway, so the case for today that I thought I would focus on is around the presentation of the limping child. So this is a presentation which has a load of different differentials, some more serious and some less serious. And it's important to make sure that we rule out the serious pathologies when we see children presented with this in the emergency department, in general practice and in the paediatric assessment unit in the hospital. So Let's say you're in the A&E department at the local district general and a four-year-old patient presents with their parents who are concerned because they've had a two-day history of a new limp. Now, this is a previously well four-year-old who had been walking normally, had no previous medical history. And when you're going to see them, the parents are clearly quite concerned. They explain to you when you're taking the history that the child has had no injury that they know of, but two days ago they noticed that he was starting to drag his leg when he was walking. They say that this has progressed over the past couple of days to the point where they're now quite concerned. He's no longer wanting to wait there at all on the right side and is in fact almost returning back to crawling, which is very unusual given that he was previously walking around with no problem. When you inquire about whether he's well in himself, they say that he's been systemically well over the past few weeks to months. He's had no weight loss and no night sweats, no bruising and no particular rashes. He did, however, have a mild fever and a sort of chorizal illness of an upper respiratory tract infection about seven days ago, which he's now recovered well from. As in any paediatric history, you make sure to ask whether he's eating and drinking, which he is, whether he's passing urine, which he is, and whether he's seemed his, his usual self. They say he's been a little bit irritable, but otherwise has been active, playing and interested in what's going on around him. Looking at his past medical history, they say he's not been previously hospitalised. He's otherwise well, doesn't take any other medications and has reached all of his developmental milestones. His immunisations are also all up to date and no one else is unwell at home at the moment. Now, at this point in the history, it's often useful to start to think of a list of differentials. This will then help guide your examination, any further questions in the history that you want to ask in particular, as well as further investigations and treatment thereafter. Now, in this age group, transient synovitis would be the most common cause of a limp. This often comes a week or so after a recent upper respiratory tract infection or maybe mild trauma. 
and involves inflammation around the joint, particularly in the hip, which can then lead to a limp. It's usually self-resolving and isn't anything serious to worry about. The problem is, though, that it can be a very similar presentation to other perhaps more serious pathologies. For instance, you might think about septic arthritis, a serious infection involving infection of the joint itself. Here you might expect a systemically unwell child. You might also think of trauma, so perhaps this child might have a fracture or an injury of some sort. It's always worth thinking about this, even if it's not noted in the history, particularly in the context of children. It's important to consider safeguarding and whether there's a chance of a non-accidental injury at play. Listen carefully to the history and if there's any inconsistencies or a late presentation, for instance, then make sure to involve a senior. Other things to think about might be things like hip dysplasia. This is normally picked up now by routine screening as a baby. However, sometimes it can be missed. You would have thought, though, with this, that it might be a bit more of an insidious onset rather than an acute presentation. Less common in this age group, but still something to consider, is the possibility of a slipped upper femoral epiphysis or a SUFI. This is something that may need surgical correction and so is important to recognise early on. Another serious pathology to consider might be the possibility of an underlying malignancy. This could either be a solid tumour or a sarcoma or perhaps a blood disorder like lymphoma or leukaemia. In this child we haven't found any evidence of systemic upset or illness over the past few months and no history of bleeding or bruising which is reassuring. Other things to look out for might be nighttime waking or weight loss. So let's go back to our child in the emergency department. We need to do a thorough examination of the child. In any children, one of the first things to do is to make sure that you fully expose them so that you can pick up anything like rashes or other injuries that you might not otherwise see. After this, it's important to make sure you watch the child walking. It might be that you can't see the limp at the time, but if you can, it's very useful to see it for yourself. You might want to look out for whether there's an antalgic gait, it looks painful for them to wait there, whether they're leaning to one side, whether it looks like their pelvis is dropping and they might have a Trendelenburg gait, which indicates hip pathology whether they're holding their leg outward or perhaps they're spending less time in stance phase on one side. Often, parents might also bring in videos that they've taken. These can be particularly useful, especially if the child won't replicate the exact walk that you need them to do there and then, which is often the case when you've got an unwell child in unusual or unfamiliar surroundings. In this particular child, you notice that when they do walk, which is quite difficult to coax them to do, they're holding their right leg externally rotated and they're spending much less time on that right hand side when they walk. Next, you get the child to lie down so that you can have a look at their legs more closely. It's worth exposing their spine as well as their hips and looking for any signs of external inflammation or injury, perhaps some bruising or some redness inflammation or a hot swollen joint for instance. In this child you can't see any of that you move on to asking them to move their legs. Now, it, depending on the age of the child, you might have to just do this for them or ask their parents to help you. This child seems to have a pretty normal range of motion of their hip, although they do seem to resist you on internal rotation of the hip in particular. Aside from that, their examination is normal. At this point, 
you are suspecting transient synovitis, given the history of fever and chorizal symptoms about seven days previous and the lack of other more concerning red flag symptoms. However, you do need to investigate further in order to make this rule out diagnosis. First of all, you do some blood tests. This is easier said than done with children, but with a good team around you and particularly the paediatrics team, you should be able to get the bloods that you need. In children, it's always important to think about a play specialist. If you've got one available in the hospital, they are a fantastic resource who you can use to help you with distracting the child and giving them something to entertain them whilst having unpleasant procedures done. In particular, you need to make sure you order a full blood count a CRP and an ESR. In this child, they have some mildly raised white cells. However, their CRP is normal and their ESR is also normal. Sometimes you might be able to pick up septic arthritis from bloods. If the CRP is particularly high, that would be more concerning. From the full blood count too, you'd hope that you might be able to pick up something like a leukaemia if it were there. However, not all serious pathologies are obvious on bloods, and so it's important to also get some imaging. An x-ray is normally your first port of call, especially of the hip joint but it might also be useful to image other joints as well. AP and lateral views might be useful and also a frog's legs position for the x-ray, which could pick up hip dysplasia. In older children, you might also be looking for evidence of SUFI on an x-ray. More serious conditions such as sarcoma may also be evident on x-ray, but not always. In addition, a simple fracture should be able to be seen if there is any trauma that we haven't noticed. If you're concerned and the bloods and the x-ray aren't definitive, then you may go on to do further imaging such as an ultrasound of the joint in question. This might be able to pick up if there is a small effusion around the joint. If there is an effusion, it doesn't necessarily mean that the joint is septic or that there's some serious pathology going on. But if there's no effusion, it makes it more likely that this is a simple transient synovitis in the absence of any other abnormalities on imaging or bloods. So back to our case in the emergency room. We've now noticed that this child is dragging their right leg when they walk and they're not wanting to put as much weight on it as normal. They're otherwise systemically well aside from chorizal symptoms and a slight fever seven days previously. On examination, they have a normal range of motion but painful internal rotation of the right hip. They have no rash aside from that and look otherwise well. On their bloods, they have slightly raised white cells, but a normal CRP and normal ESR, and no other concerns in the full blood count. Their x-ray is normal and reassuring, and an ultrasound hip shows no effusion. The most likely differential, then, in this case, is that this is indeed transient synovitis. This is a condition whereby the joint becomes inflamed, especially, as we said, following either a minor trauma or an upper respiratory tract infection or another viral illness shortly previously. It is more common in males than females and is mostly seen 
around the ages of three to eight years old. The treatment at this stage is largely giving reassurance and safety netting advice to the parents. In paediatrics, never underestimate the importance of safety netting. It's important to always give out the appropriate advice about when to seek further help if the child doesn't improve and especially what warning signs to look out for. For instance, if the child develops a significant fever, stops eating and drinking or passing urine as much or seems lethargic, develops a rash or the walking itself doesn't improve, then they should seek help again. In the case of transient synovitis, however, it is likely that within about seven to 10 days, the symptoms should improve themselves. The patient is unlikely to have any serious long-term effects from this. However, there is about a 20% risk of it reoccurring later on. In the meantime, it's important for the patient to get as much rest on that joint as possible, maybe to take a few days off school if they're at school by that point, and to take regular analgesia or anti-inflammatories, paracetamol or ibuprofen, in order to manage the pain effectively and reduce swelling. So there we have it. That's a case of limping child, which I saw in the emergency department. It's important to note that transient synovitis is a rule-out diagnosis, and so you have to do the appropriate investigations, first of all, including detailed history, examination, and then bloods and further imaging if necessary, in order to make sure that you are not missing anything more serious. And finally, when dealing with paediatric cases, don't be afraid to seek senior help sooner. In my experience, the paediatrics team are always there to help and they would rather see a patient that you're concerned about if you're needing reassurance. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope it's given you an insight into how to approach one of the most common presentations in paediatrics. If you have any further questions, then do let me know. As I said, I'm on at cambridge.foodie on Instagram. So please feel free to give me a follow or send me a message if you've got any further questions. Thank you and happy studying.